everyone can uh, rise with me, we'll read God's word this morning. All right, the reading is from Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is God's word. It's true. It's given out of his love. Thanks, guys. Amen. Well, it's great to see you all this morning. Hope you had is had a good week. Um, this has been a really difficult week in the life of our church um, with the, the passing of Darren, and we're all uh, so good to be here after that. Last night was a really difficult night, and being able to be here together as a church family and just love on each other and get hugged and just experience the, the, the body of Christ as uh, the body is meant to be is a really, really sweet and wonderful thing. So I'm glad to, to see you all here this morning. And uh, we also have a lot of visitors this morning. It's great to see you guys as well. This is a, uh, an, a good week for you to be here. We, every year, the beginning of January, we do a, a vision sermon uh, to talk about what we feel God is calling us into this next year. So uh, this will be a little bit different than normal. Normally, we go through a whole book of the Bible a verse at a time. And this morning, we're going to be doing uh, more of a theological sermon. We're, we're all over the place. Uh, the, the little game we're going to play, see if Jackie can keep up on the PowerPoint with all the verses that will be up there. But I have no doubt she will be up to the task. So um, the reason we found this works is because uh, New Year's, starting a new calendar, our culture is really bent towards this idea of what do we have in the future? You know, New Year's resolutions and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's, what's interesting is if you look back over the four-year history of our church, um, we have had some pretty significant things happen uh, right around this time of the year. So it's a little bit after January that we moved from our living room four years ago to uh, the church in town up the road a little ways that we met at for a while, and that was an exciting change. Uh, and then it was a little bit after January that we moved from there to this gym we're meeting in now. Uh, and then it was, that was a year ago, or two years ago. And then last year, uh, right about this time, was when we moved from Saturday nights to Sunday mornings. So we've had all these big changes coming as a church. And with each of those changes, there's been enough momentum and excitement that we've been able to kind of rally around that change and say, this is exciting. We're moving to a, a new phase. Like Aaron came on a little bit after, almost a year ago exactly, right now, full time. So uh, that, that kind of stuff has always had its own excitement that it brought with it. Uh, but the, the exciting news this time in this video sermon, though, is I have nothing exciting to announce. There's no big changes coming. So um, if you think of the four different chapters that I've mentioned of Missio Day's history, we have no idea what chapter five is going to bring. And so in some ways, this vision sermon is less about the nuts and bolts of this is where we're going, this is what we're doing, and it's more about the why. Why do we exist? What is it that God has done uniquely in Missio Day to call us together as his people, and what is he equipping us to do? And so if you think about it, um, think of it as like a tree. So my neighbor, about six years ago, he planted some poplar trees. And in the first two years, those things shot up so fast, like really nice looking trees in Colorado, nothing grows. So the fact that they grew so fast was amazing. Uh, and then a big wind came up and it knocked two of the trees down. It wasn't even that big of a wind, it was just a regular Colorado wind and it blew it over. And the reason it was able to blow it over is because the trees grew so fast, there was no root system that had developed to actually give it some stability. 
And so what we're praying that this year is for us is that time that we can have our root system as a church go down deep so that we can uh, drink deep of what it is that God has for us. And as soon as you start thinking about roots and going deep and being grounded in something, there's one passage in Ephesians that I want to highlight for us. It's Ephesians chapter 3. It says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love... That, that rooted and grounded in love phrase is key for us. It says, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So um, that's really what our prayer is for this upcoming year is that our roots would go down deep into the love of God. And that as our love, as our knowledge of the love of God for us grows, that we might be able to grow in love for each other as well. And I think that this week of all weeks, it's been neat to see how God has used this body to love each other really well. Um, it, we, we, we have had, we've known that this is a loving community for a while, and seeing it demonstrated this week has been really powerful to see, and it's really a testament of God's work in so many people's hearts here. And so, um, like I said, this morning it's not, Nuts and bolts, it's more of the why. What, what are we going to be about? And so in order to get at that, we're going to uh, introduce a phrase that hopefully you're going to hear a lot of in the, the days and months ahead. And so what we're going to do is just take this phrase apart and we're going to see how it comes from all these different scripture verses that say what it is that we're to be about as a church. And my, my prayer is, is that with this phrase that we're going to go over, that you would hear it and you would say, yes, that is Missio Dei. Okay, so whatever reason it is that God calls you to our church, whatever it is that you experienced when you first came here, my prayer is that this phrase would say, that is what Missio Dei is about. I can see God working through the, the truth in that sentence. And that, that from there, that that will be this rallying point for us to say, if this is who God has called us to be, how can we continue to grow in our identity of, of, as the people of God so that we can see more and more people come to experience the love of Jesus? That's our prayer for this morning. So I'm going to say a prayer, and then we'll get into about 60 different passages. So just try to keep up in your Bible if you can. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, the fact that you have called us to yourself and that this morning we can gather as your people and study your word and hear of your love for us. And I pray that as we study these truths from Scripture, that you would sink them deep into our hearts, that we might leave this place changed and more in love with you than when we came. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So uh, the phrase is kind of broken up into sections on the back of your bulletin that you got, if you want to take some notes as we go through here. But we're going to kind of go in an odd order, because the place I want to start this morning is that phrase, experience the love of Jesus. Because if, if you look at what a church is called to be, if you look at the way that God has used our church, the goal of all of this is to experience the love of Jesus. And what I mean by that is that it's a vibrant and life-giving and active relationship with the God of the universe, with the person of Jesus Christ. We had a guest preacher, Caleb, uh, came down this summer, and, and his, in his sermon, he's, he made this awesome statement that said, Christianity is the only religion in the world that it matters whether our founder existed. Because you think about it, like with Buddhism, it doesn't matter if Buddha was real. With Islam, it doesn't matter if Muhammad ever lived because they were just talking about an idea. But with Christianity, we're not talking about an idea. We're talking about a person. We're talking about God himself who took on flesh and came and dwelt among us. Like Jesus in the flesh, God himself. And so the goal with Christianity, the goal with all of, of life is to grow in our understanding of our relationship with Jesus himself. 
And when you grow in that relationship, the thing that's going to stand out is the love of Jesus. That's the defining characteristic of God. If you look at uh, 1 John 4, 8, it says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Okay, that, that, that is what philosophers call an ontological statement. That is, defines the being of God at his very essence. He is love. God is the embodiment of love. So any true love that exists, exists because it is somehow connected to the God of the universe. Okay, now the reason this is important is when we say we want to experience the love of Jesus is because there's a lot of everyone, let me, let me clarify that, everyone in the world wants to experience love. That's why anytime, those Coca-Cola commercials, right, or Google or Apple, any commercial, it always has something to do with love, right, and, and saying like you share someone a Coke and they're going to experience the love and we can all get together and sing a song and it'll be so great. Uh, but all of that is drawing from this theme that is only found in God because as that verse said, God is love. And so if we're going to experience the love of Jesus, we need to experience him as he has revealed himself. And, um, and also you might be thinking, well, um, well, one of the popular things that people like to say is that there's the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament and they're different. But the reality is, is this God of love has been so clearly revealed from every page of scripture. We even see in the Old Testament, Exodus 34, the Lord, this is God revealing himself to Moses. He is speaking himself and says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So if we're going to experience the love of Jesus, that means we need to get, uh, push ourselves towards the person of Jesus. We need, we need to see that we're pursuing a relationship with a God who has revealed himself. And if that's the case, then our only job is to rest and abide in the love of God. Okay, like that passage I read from Ephesians that said, you need to be rooted and grounded in love. Okay, we, just, we need to remain there. Drink deep of God's love for us. Have our roots go down deep in love. That passage uh, Brandon read a second ago from Romans is also uh, the, the same kind of concept. If you, if you look at the last few verses there, it says, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, that, that is a powerful statement, especially this week when we're, as a church, we are, we're grieving a, a loss we never thought we'd have to experience. Nothing on earth can separate us from the love of God. And so our, our job as a church, our goal as the people of God is to press deep into that so we can experience the love of Jesus. And, and now you might be saying, okay, love is it's a great idea, but how do we know this is any different than the Coca-Cola love or the Google love or, or iPhone love or whatever you want to call any of those weird products that we say we love? Um, and the reason we know it's different is because Jesus did something different than any other deity or supposed deity in the universe ever did. Jesus gave of himself for us as a demonstration of that love. If we look at, I mean, the most famous verse ever, right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then Romans 5, 8 tells us what it means for God to give himself. It says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It, that's a picture of love. While we were actively God's enemies, while we were running the other direction from God, while we were uh, doing everything that violated God's character, in that moment, God died for us. Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. And then we see the, the clearest demonstration of love, John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, 
then someone lay down his life for his friends. So, so the cross of Jesus, where Jesus bled and died for our sins, is the clearest picture of love in the universe. And so, so then the question is for us, if, if our goal this year as a church, and our goal for always really, is to experience the love of Jesus, what does that look like for us to experience his love? And I think the one thing we need to remember is that we're talking about encountering the God of the universe. Okay, this is not a social club. This is not just something you can do for fun on a Sunday morning. What this is, is we're getting together so that we can encounter the holy. We can encounter the God who created all things. We can encounter the person of Jesus who died for our sins. That's what it means to experience his love. And so if that's the case, and if the clearest picture of Jesus' love is the cross, then that means everything we need to do if we're going to experience Jesus' love needs to be centered around the gospel, needs to be centered around the idea that God sending his son to die for our sins so we can be forgiven. If that's a picture of love, everything we need to do needs to come back to the gospel. We need to always be bold in proclaiming the fact that Jesus died in our place so we didn't have to deal with the punishment that we deserved. And the more we press into that truth, if, if that truth is love demonstrated, The more we go after that truth, the more we will experience the love of Jesus. So what that looks like for us here as a community is we take communion every week, okay? The reason we do that every week instead of once a quarter or twice a year or whatever is because this is the the reminder that God gave us of his son bleeding and dying for us. And so when you come to take communion, it's not just I'm taking a little bit of juice and a little bit of bread. It's you're experiencing the love of Jesus. It's spiritual nourishment for your soul. That's why I love when I see um, couples who get the elements and they go back to the table and pray together. Or, or sometimes when people at a table pray together, even if they're not related. That, that kind of community is, is together experiencing the love of Jesus. We've had people mistakenly think that we're doing this as individuals because we all come up during the three songs. This is not an individual participation. Together as a church family, we are experiencing Jesus' love when we partake of communion. Uh, This is the reason we preach through the Bible a verse at a time and have the Bible be our text is because the Bible is what reveals God. And if God is love, when we encounter God in the pages of his book, we're experiencing the love of Jesus. And that's also why we sing songs. Because when you love someone, you sing about it. Right? That's why love songs are so popular. That's why you, you dance at your wedding to a song is because when you are experiencing love, the natural inclination of your heart is to sing about it. So we sing praises to Jesus because we love him. And then lastly, uh, that's the reason we have Missio Kids back there. So, so if Missio Dei is Latin and it means the mission of God, the reason we picked Missio Kids is because that children's ministry is mission. It's not childcare. We're not babysitting back there. What we're doing is we're pointing the little ones to the love of Jesus because we want everyone in this church, no matter how old they are, to experience the love of Jesus. And then this also has implications for us personally as individuals. Okay, so, so you as an individual need to be experiencing Jesus' love. So that means if you go on a walk in the mountains, don't just see it as a beautiful walk. See it as the amazing proclamation of God's character, that he would create something so beautiful and turn that into worship. Okay, so when, when, you, um, when you see the beauty of a sunset, that is experiencing God's love because it reveals his glory. But also, but, but that has to always be tied back to the word, the truth of God revealed in scripture. 
Because this is the revelation of God, the clearest that we will ever have. And so when you study the Bible every day on your own, as we all should be doing, that's a way to experience the love of Jesus. But um, there's, there's lots of different ways we can do that. But there's one way in particular, I think, especially in our church, that we have experienced Jesus' love most clearly. And that's through the love of his people. That next phrase we want to look at is, we're trying to experience the love of Jesus through the love of his people. Because if you think about the times in your life where you most clearly felt Jesus' love, when you most clearly knew that God loved you, usually the vehicle for that love was another person. It was someone else created in the image of God to show you the character of God. Okay, the, the clear, easiest way for us to experience the love of Jesus is through the love of his people. And anytime you go through a difficult time in life or a celebratory time in life, it's always the people of God there that manifest God's love for you most clearly. Paul Tripp says that we are the visible face of an invisible God. That's why it means to be made in the image of God. We were left here on earth to be proclaimers and heralds of God's character. So when you love someone in Christ, what you're doing is you're helping them experience Jesus' love through your love for them. So, um, Let's see, John 13, 35 says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So, so if God is love and Jesus is the fullest revelation of that love, then when we love other people, that pushes everyone back to the source of that love. Jesus himself, God who, who created love and who is love. And so what it means to love other people, I mean, we, we really need to do a whole series on this, right? What, what is love? How do we love each other well? Uh, the reason we're not doing a whole series on this is because our church has been doing this really well. I think if you look at what God has been using in our church the most, it's the love that we all have for each other is why people are experiencing Jesus' love here. But, but, but what love is, is it's an active giving of yourself, you take the action to give of yourself for another's good. So 1 Thessalonians 2 says, so being affectionately desirous of you, which is another beautiful way to say love, affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Okay? Like that is written by Paul, and that is such a clear picture of Paul's love for the church in Thessalonica. He said, because I loved you so much, I was going to share with you the gospel. I was going to share with you God's love, obviously, but I'm also going to give of myself to you as well, because I want my life being given to you to be the proof that I do love you and that God's love is real. And when we do that, what we're doing is we're following Jesus' example. So we quoted John 15, 13 a second ago. John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. As Jesus loved us, we should love one another. And then he goes right into that verse we read, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So if his command is that we love others as Jesus loved us, that means we need to be willing to lay down our lives for each other. And again, this is not a, I'm trying to rally everyone to say, this is what we need to do. What this is, is this is the last few months, just to give you some background, I've been praying about what is God calling Missio Day to do? And it's out of those prayers of, of who is Missio Dei? What is Missio Dei? What is God calling us to do? That this, I, this phrase and everything of experiencing the love of Jesus through the love of his people came up. Because when, when, when we, had, we had three families in the church have uh, babies this last week, and we had like 60 people sign up to bring them meals. 
And, and then we had an, another round of, of meals go out to Ashley and her, her family. And that's, I'm not, I'm not bringing that up to pat people on the back for doing a good job, but I want to say that that's the love of Christ working through you. Okay, when you bring someone a meal, they are experiencing the love of Jesus through the love of his people. And that's what's happening. And, that, and that's, by God's grace, that is how Missio Dei has always had its greatest mission, is by loving people. We are, we are the most relationally intense church I have ever seen in my life, which means sometimes we, sparks fly because we get so close to each other. But most of the time, it means that you are here in this community and you know that you're loved by the people of God. And when we do that, what we're doing is we're living out all of the gospel. So Matthew 22 says, and he said to him, this is Jesus, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. When we, loving God is the most important thing. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. When you love God and when you love others, you're fulfilling all of scripture. You're doing what God has called you to do, what God has created you to do when you love God and love others. And then when you do that, when you love other people, God takes that love and he uses it to reveal himself to someone else. He shows them his love for them by your love working through you. Second Corinthians says, therefore we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We are God's ambassadors. Think, think about an ambassador who goes to another country not to represent their own interests, but to represent the interest of the country that sent them. In the same way, when we love people, we are ambassadors for Christ, representing the love of Jesus as God's herald, as God's ambassador. And so what that means for us, though, and this is the challenging part, especially for a loving community like ours, is that our love needs to not terminate on us but it needs to point to someone else. It needs to point to Jesus. Because when you love someone, when you give of yourself to someone, it's really easy to make it all about you. You can say, you know, I, I, look what I did for you. Like, oh, your car broke down, I'll give you a ride to work. Well, look how awesome I am. You know, oh, you're having a hard day. Let me bring you some coffee and you can thank me for the coffee that I'm bringing you. Like, I mean, it's possible to do all kinds of loving acts for the wrong reasons. And if you're pointing to yourself, that's not the goal. Because you can't die for anyone's sins. Okay? You didn't defeat death when you rose from the grave. But Jesus did both of those things. So when we love people, we need to make sure that we're pointing them to Jesus. Okay? So Kelly, was. we, we were talking the other day, and she was saying that some of the people she's been um, journeying with for years, she's like, I think they know the sound of my voice, but I'm not sure they know the sound of Jesus' voice. And, and that's a really convicting phrase for all of us. When we love people, are they hearing my words say I love you? Or are they hearing the voice of Jesus say I love you when I, when I uh, love someone, when I, when I sacrifice uh, my schedule and my finances to bless them with something? Um, and and the, thing, the, reason that they, the reason why this is important is because our enemy wants to make it all about us. Because if he makes our love all about us, then it doesn't point to Jesus. But the goal of all of this is to point to Jesus. And so um, the, the reason that we have this phrase we use, it's on our website, and we try to say it from time to time, that we, we want our church to be a place you can invite your friends. Okay, the reason we want this to be a place you can invite your friends, what we're trying to say is that we want you to know that you're going to be loved if you're here. Okay, we want this to be a comfortable place that you can kick back and know that you're, you're loved by the people sitting at your table. Okay, that's why I wore my Mr. Rogers sweater today. I want everyone to be comfortable and, and uh, know that you're loved and this is a great time. If I take off my shoes, it's just the thing Mr. Rogers would do. 
But the, the, the environment is so important because you can go to churches and you cannot be loved. Yeah, that's the saddest thing in the world is when I hear stories of people who, who left the church because they, they never really felt connected. They never really felt loved by the people there. And my prayer is that that would never be the case in our church. That whether this is your first time here or you've been here since our living room four years ago, that you would know this is a place where people love you because they love Jesus. And again, and, and that's why Missio Kids is so important. Because those people back there volunteering are loving the kids. Okay? Th- those children need a place they can go and experience the love of Jesus through the love of his people. Okay? And then the, the missional communities that Brandon referenced a second ago. The reason we need to, to really invest in these small groups is because our neighbors need to know that they can experience the love of Jesus through the love of his people. And so everything we do needs to be pointing to the love of Jesus because of, of what he has done for us. We need to be reflecting that love uh, from other people back to Jesus. So uh, there's more to the phrase, though. We're, we're, we're trucking along here. So the, the next thing I want to point out is that top line where it says we need to create the space for people to experience the love of Jesus through the love of his people. And so this is one of my favorite parts about Christian theology is that God created the universe and declared it good. So, so back when the Bible was written, there was this other worldview called Gnosticism, which is this, this big ugly word. But what they thought was that there was the spiritual world that was good and then there was the physical world that was bad. And in some ways, a lot of Eastern religions draw from this idea. So we, we try to think that, you know, there's my flesh, and this is all kind of yucky down here on earth. And if I can just transcend the earth and get more um, separated from the physical world, I'll be more spiritual and therefore more holy. But that is nowhere to be found in the scriptures. Okay, God created everything and said, this is good. Okay, and, and then he, because he blessed everything as good, that's why we can enjoy creation. I mean, have you ever thought how crazy it is that you can eat a cow and it tastes delicious? I mean, like, unless God loves us, why would he have created steak, right? You know, or single malt scotch, perhaps, you know, something like that, a little more classic. That's why I have my sweater on also. I need my pipe up here to do, drink some, when you say pipe in Colorado, you have to clarify what pipe you're talking about. <laughs> Tobacco pipe, it's always good to know. Um... That's also why this idea of creating the space, I, this is one of my, my favorite concepts because there, there are certain spaces that are more or less conducive to experiencing the love of Jesus. And so, so here's an example. So our, if you turn off of Eastonville into our neighborhood, the first house you're gonna see is Mike and Lana. And after you see their house, the next thing you're gonna see is Mike out painting the shutters or mowing the grass and, and doing something to his house. And I asked him why he did that. He said it's because, you know, this best foot forward, right? We're the first house you see, we wanna set a good example. And so our neighborhood, the first thing you see when you come in the, in the, the road is this house that is perfectly kept, a lawn that's so well manicured, and that sets the tone for everyone else for what you see. And so when we say we're creating the space for people to experience the love of Jesus through the love of his people, it means that, that what this atmosphere looks like matters. Okay, the, re- the reason we have coffee is because when you come into a room and you're given a free cup of coffee, it feels warm and nice and inviting. Okay, the, the reason that everything looks so nice when you show up is because there's a team of people that gets here early to make sure the tablecloths are straight and the chairs are all in the place and all that stuff. And uh, Captain OCD is always not quite pleased with the tablecloths, but they're, they will try to make do anyway, except this morning. This morning they looked great. Um, so no offense to whoever set up last week. I'm not trying to insult you by saying that they weren't straight. 
Um, but this idea that, that spaces matter because some spaces are more conducive to God working than others. And so if you think about it, about Exodus 3, God, the burning bush. So God it reveals himself to Moses through a bush that's on fire, but it doesn't get consumed. And God says to Moses, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Okay, where the presence of God is, that is holy ground. And that's something that is true throughout the rest of the Old Testament. So God's presence dwells in the tabernacle while the people of Israel um, go through the wilderness. And that, that's the manifestation of God's presence in the tabernacle. Okay, and then later he, he has um, Solomon build the temple. And inside the temple, there's the Holy of Holies where God's presence is manifest, where it's concentrated. He's, God is omnipresent. There's not a single square inch of the universe that God's presence is not already there. But in the Old Testament, there was all these pictures where God's presence was particularly manifest. And that's why John 1.14 is so amazing. It says, this is talking about Jesus. and says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that word dwelt is the same word for tabernacle. The presence of God in the Old Testament. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. Back to that idea of a relationship with Jesus. Jesus took on flesh. The reason we know that creation isn't evil in and of itself. But it's good. Is because Jesus himself took on a body. And entered the physical world. The, the second person of the trinity said creation was good enough for him to come be present. Okay, it's been marred by sin. Okay, the, the, the universe has fallen. That's why there's earthquakes and famines and cancer and all those things. But creation is inherently good because God created it. Now, it's, like I said, it's, we have to have all this nuance of it's been fallen, but it will one day be redeemed. And the heaven is, in Revelation, it's seen descending to earth, to a redeemed earth that there's no more sin and no more famine and no more death or anything like that. So um, what, what we're seeing, though, is that in the Old Testament, God worked in those particular spaces. But then there's this amazing passage when Jesus dies in Matthew 27. It says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. And, and the symbolism there is so incredible because the temple is what kept the holy of holies where the presence of God was, where the Ark of the Covenant was, from the common people. And when Jesus died, the, t the curtain tearing, what that's saying is that the presence of God is not bound by the temple anymore. Okay, instead what Jesus says in uh, John 14, says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth of whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. So the, the, the Spirit of God is no longer in a temple in Jerusalem. It's dwelling inside the hearts of every person who has been redeemed by Jesus. Okay, so again, if, if God can take up residence in your own heart, then that means that the physical world matters. That means certain physical spaces matter. And that's why as Christians, if we're wanting people to experience the love of Jesus through our love for them, the space that we're in matters. Okay, and so this is why, this is why I have this wonderful little soapbox I love to get on about the discussion tables we sit at. Okay, your table as a physical space matters because it's in that context. In the next few minutes when we turn to each other and we talk for 10 or 15 minutes, that's the physical space where you have the chance to love people. 
Because when you love people, you're pointing them to the love of Jesus, okay? I mean, there's nothing sinful about sitting in rows, but I just think that that space, if, if, if this space was filled with rows, that's less conducive to experiencing each other's love that points us to Jesus' love. Okay, that's why we sit at tables. And that's why, again, these missional communities matter because it, it's a space for you to invite your neighbors where they can be loved, where you can give them a cup of coffee, welcome them into your home, share a meal together so that you can let them know that you love them because Jesus loves them. Okay, when, when you go on a car ride with someone, that physical space can be conducive to you sharing the love of Jesus with someone. When you, when you eat, go out for lunch with a coworker, the space at that table is conducive to you sharing the love of Jesus with someone. But we have to see it as that. Physical space in and of itself doesn't matter. What matters is how it's utilized by the people of God to point to God. So we were in, in Paris on a missions trip this fall, and Notre Dame was the most incredible building I'd ever been in before. But it's full of people taking pictures and tour guides and all this kind of stuff that, that is in no way worshipful. So it's this amazingly beautiful structure. But on a Sunday morning, I think what we're doing in this gym that kind of smells like sixth graders, which is never a good thing, I, that's why this can be a holy ground where the presence of God is felt in a special way. Again, that's not undermining the omnipresence of God, but it's saying that there are some spaces that are more conducive to us experiencing his love. And, and that doesn't happen naturally. Okay, left to our own de uh, demise, we will not create that space. We have to rely on God to use us to create that space. And also, back to the tables, that doesn't happen in a single shot. Okay, I mean, th there may be some kind of burning bush experience where you're looking at your candle and it's not consumed or something like that. But for the most part, the conversation at your table is going to seem kind of insignificant. Okay, but 52 conversations at your table over the course of the year, that's the kind of stuff that God uses to work his truth deep into your heart. Okay, so the space you're at matters, and then the repetition, the liturgy of that matters as well. We're training ourselves to love Jesus more by loving each other at these tables. So now we're on to the, the last section here, and then we're gonna, uh, we'll turn to our discussion tables. But the, the whole phrase then is we want to create the space for all people to experience the love of Jesus through the love of his people. And that all people phrase is so key. Because the world tells us that there's certain kinds of people that will be welcome at church, and there's certain kinds of people who aren't welcome at church. But what the gospel says is that the good, the, the good news of Jesus' love is good news for all people. When Jesus commissioned his disciples, he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay, all, there, there is no type of person for whom the gospel is not good news. The gospel is good news for everyone. And if that's the case, then when, if we're creating this space, we need to make sure that this space is conducive to loving all people. Okay, so you should hear some pretty crazy stuff at your table from time to time. If you hear some weird theology, don't freak out and be like, this person's, they're, they're spouting heresy. No, what they need is we need this place for all people to come and learn about the gospel together. And yeah, there is a time for correcting heresy, but it's within the context of love. We need to make sure that we're leading with love when we do that. So um, if you're here and you're not a church person, we want to make sure that we're speaking in a way that makes sense. 
Okay, because Christians were famous for using all these, these words. I've probably used a ton of them this morning already, of these Christian lingo that unless you grew up in the church, you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's like talking to someone in the military if you're not in the military. And you're like, all those acronyms, those don't make any sense. TDY, why does the Y at the end of temporary deployment? I have no idea what's going on with those acronyms. Not trying to rip on the Air Force people because we have a good Air Force contingent this morning. So, um, But anyway, the point there is that when you speak in insider lingo, it creates a barrier between insiders and outsiders. And when as Christians, when we speak in insider lingo, what we're saying is, if you don't know our language, you're not really welcome here. So we need to speak in a way that all people can know that they are loved by Jesus. Okay, that's what one of the applications of this. Um, and, and then, okay, so that's, that's the, the unchurched people. Non-Christians need to know that they're welcome. But if you're here and you've been wounded by the church, I want you to know that this is a place where you're welcome as well. Because a lot of times, if you get a scar from the church, the last place you want to go to find healing is another church or back to the church that, that did your wounding. But if we're going to do life together, we're going to be wounding some people. We're, we're going to hurt each other. But we, we need this place to be a place that we can find healing together because it's not about what I did to you or didn't do to you. What it's about is the fact, what did Jesus do for you? And if Jesus died for you, then he forgave you of your sins, he forgave me of my sins, and we can show each other more grace and we can find that healing together in a community. So, so that's kind of our, our summary for what we're praying God does in our midst the next year. We, we wanna create the space for all people to experience the love of Jesus through the love of his people. And hopefully you get so sick of hearing that phrase that we, it might start to actually kind of sink into what we're, we're doing. And, and again, that's not a, this whole thing is not a rebuke what this is, is this is an encouragement because God has been doing that in our community for the last four years. And so our prayer is that God would continue to work that way so that more churches will be planted, so that more people will hear of Jesus' love for them and so that the good news can go to the ends of the earth just like Jesus commanded us to do in Matthew 28. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that this is a place where we can come experience that love and that we can be loved on by each other. And I pray that, that as we move forward from here as a church, as the, the years go on, that this would continually be that space for people to experience love. I pray that there would be no type of person that would feel unloved or unwelcome here, but we might show your love and your grace to anyone who comes through those doors. And God, I pray that as we turn to our discussion tables now, that you would give us your grace, that we might love each other well, and that through our discussions, that you might be glorified, and uh, we might feel your love more clearly. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so uh, this is your first time here. Like I said, what we're gonna do now is turn in on our tables for the next 10 minutes, and we're gonna process some questions, again, with this goal of experiencing Jesus' love. So the, the first question I have um, is, is when have you experienced Jesus' love the most? What did he use to make you aware of his love for you? So um, particularly through other people, like we've been talking about, but if there's some other instance where you said, I know that Jesus loves me and here's why, just share that experience with your table. Because when we share our experiences, it encourages everyone else to, to look for Jesus' love in other places as well. Uh, the secondly, uh, what spaces is God calling you to enter into in order to show others the love of Jesus? What kind of, what kind of space is God saying, this is where you need to go speak the love of Jesus to people? And then the last half of that, what will that require of you? 
Because if love is giving of yourself, love will always cost you something. And following Jesus will always cost you something. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Okay, unless we come and die, we cannot really find the life that Jesus has for us. And then lastly, we always end every week with, how is this good news for my neighbor? So how is the verses we talked about this morning, how is this idea of Jesus' love, how is that good news for my neighbor, and what can we do to, to love our neighbors well? So we'll do that for the next 10 minutes or so, and then we'll take communion together. Hope your discussions went well. We're going to wrap it up and transition into communion now. Uh, it's always fun being part of a full room like this that is loving each other and loving Jesus. So we're, like I said, we're going to now uh, worship Jesus through song, which is a way of expressing our love for him. Uh, we're going to partake of communion together, which is a way of us experiencing God's love for us, like we talked about. Um, and, uh, and that's the plan for this next year, like I said. So if we've had four chapters in Monsieur Day's history, I don't know what chapter five brings, but I know that if we experience Jesus' love through the love of his people, like, we'll be okay. Like, it'll be, and it'll be exciting to see what God does in us and through us and among us and all of that. So um, we, we serve, just a little bit about communion, we serve open communion here, uh, which means that if you love Jesus, if you believe that his death and resurrection are why you are uh, in a good relationship with God, then we welcome you to come partake of the elements. Uh, we'll sing three songs, and at any point during those three songs, just come up and uh, grab the elements and go back to your table. Uh, if you're here with your kids, uh, we leave that up to the parent uh, if they want to have their kid partake of communion with them or not. Um, and yeah, that's what we're going to do now. One uh, other announcement. This is a terrible spot for announcement. We have the, the mood guitar going already. And I'm like, an announcement. Here we go. Um, the, uh, I said, I've been saying we're going to do Judges next. Uh, but uh, Judges, I mean, you can see Jesus' love in Judges. It's just a little bit harder uh, than some of the New Testament books. Some of them about the whole, uh, well, I'm not going to go into the details because there's kids here. And that's always bad if you can't quote the Bible because there's kids here. Um, so the, but what we're going to do next for the next seven or eight weeks is go through the book of 1 John. Because 1 John is basically a treatise that says, uh, you'll know you have experienced the love of Jesus if you love other people. And so it's going to kind of be a manifesto for the year of what it looks like for us to love other people and love Jesus uh, through doing that. So uh, if you want to stand with me, we're, I'm going to pray and we're going to uh, partake of communion together. And I want to read Romans 5 again, uh, 5, 8 and following. It says, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we, have, that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Because of the death of Jesus on the cross and because of the resurrection three days later, we are no longer enemies of God, but we are friends of God. And, and, and we know that God is our friend because he gave up his life for us. Let's pray. God, thank you for this amazing time that we can experience your love through the sacrament of communion. I pray that this would not be some routine, boring ritual, but it would be an encounter with the holy, where we experience your love and we were reminded anew of the sacrifice you made for us on the cross, where your blood was shed and your body was broken for our sin. We thank you for the forgiveness we have in Christ 
and ask that we might be able to proclaim that to more and more people. It's in your name we pray. Amen.